Episode 22, 22, baby. Let's go. Let's go. Let me turn on. Let me turn on the. Let me turn on my lightsaber, man. Look, it's been a long time. A very enlightened brothers has been a thing, man. We're finally back. We've gone through so many things in life, and I'm just. I can't say anything more than I'm glad to be back, dude. How how do you how do we even start this podcast after a break like this? By revamping our name. We're now the hiatus brothers. <laughs> yeah, what well, for real? We are definitely the hiatus brothers. Um, but yeah, you know what? On that point, we're switching up the show a little bit. Uh, since well, I was eighteen before our break, but since the break, Emery has also turned eighteen. So now that we are both men, young, strapping men in this world, oh, we gotta change the bio too. Oh it says yeah, two high schoolers. Oh yeah, we're no longer two high schoolers either because we also graduated. Um, graduated Oak Cliff High School. You know, we're, it's going to be a little bit of a paradigm shift this podcast. You know, we're going it, to it's going to be still, you know, 90 percent enlightening, but with a little bit of wildness component, mm-hmm. too. You know what I'm saying? Because with so, men come manly discussions. OK, but we're going to bring in some wild guests and we're going to have some wild discussions. Yeah. But you already know, of course, we have to start with the enlightening uh, discussions. But before we get into the topics and all of the stuff that has gone over the la- gone on the last shoot, the last time we recorded, it was probably a month and a half to two months ago. Two last months. time round two, that up. Yeah. Two months. Two months. Last time we uploaded was a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so since then, all the things that have gone on in our life. And so. it's, it's felt like a year to be. Oh, honest, yeah. It's because felt, it's felt like a long time. doing this podcast became a habit in our lives. Oh, yeah. And, you know, we broke that habit. So we got to get back into the mix. We got to start feeling ourselves again. Oh, yeah. Y'all going to start feeling us again because I know you missed this great content. And uh, we're just going to get back into the flow of things and we're going to remix the podcast because this isn't just the Enlightened Brothers anymore. This is the Enlightened Brothers season two. Season two, baby. Season two. Let's go. Let's go. Last time we uploaded was May 13th, 2021. So that was a month and 10 days ago. Uh, from the day we are recording now, which is when Wednesday, June twenty third. Was recorded though. This episode was recorded April eighth, twenty twenty one. Over months. two months you. ago. Oh my! Over Lord. two months ago. Um. Wow. Hold on. I can also see. Let's see. Mm. Our oh wow! So our college decisions episode was uploaded April thirtieth, recorded on April twenty sixth. So three days from now, it will be officially two months since we last recorded. Um, so, yeah, I almost got to that two months. Oh, can I also point out one thing? What? Quick plug in here. Uh, yeah. We are currently at 99 enlightened members of our family. Really? Oh, we who's, are at 99 subscribers? Who's going to be the 100th? Oh, yeah. Hey, if you're watching right now and you're not subscribed, if you're hearing this right now and you're on the audio version, go to YouTube and subscribe. The 100, the 100 subscriber gets a special gift. Um, Emery has a lot of birthday and graduation money, so he will be sending a package of $1,000 to our 100 subscriber. Also, a guaranteed spot right here. Maybe we'll do that. Yes, whoever wants to be the 100 subscriber, we'll please. But, um, and let us know, because I don't think you can check that. <laughs> right. Let us know. Comment down below if you're the 100 subscriber. All right, so anyway, what has happened since April 30th, 2021? Hmm. Well, 
It's been a bad two months for me. Oh, yeah. You want to get started with that? No, I don't want to get into it at all. Okay. Oh, yeah. Emery, Emery's definitely gone it's through some rough stuff. It's been a bad two months. Emery's gone through some rough stuff. It's also been a great two months. Absolutely amazing. Because, like Caleb said earlier, we graduated from high school. Mm-hmm. Caleb, and, uh, Caleb and I, we were actually awarded with something towards the end of our uh, high school year. Yes. That Knight, was Knights, very meaningful. Yeah, Knights in Shining Armor, the – the highest esteem of awards at Oakleaf High School this is the highest award you can get is given to 10 Knights, uh, which is our mascot, at the end of every year. Mm-hmm. And me and Emery were um, blessed to become two of those 10. And um, now we're immortalized on the wall of our cafeteria absolutely, with our faces. Absolutely. And even before that, uh, just a few days prior, me and Emery being on the senior board, uh, we had to give a speech in front of a certain subset of our classmates at uh, this event called Baccalaureate. So Emery gave a speech on love. I gave a speech on the theory of exchange. We both did an amazing job. Um, you know, I should probably like you know maybe we could show plug a clip. That in. Yeah, I probably could show a clip of our speeches. If and not, that's a cut. Yeah, but we've had a and we're there was a lot of just emotional award ceremonies. Um, just an amazing graduation. Me and Emery got to sit on the stage at graduation. So we got to see each and every single one of our uh, peers. And our, by the end of the night, our hands were sore from all the clapping. And our over, voices were gone. For over 500 people. Yeah, yes. my voice. Our voice was gone on numerous uh, times these past two months. Oh, my gosh, yes. So, so time skip now. Yes, flashing forward to uh, – did anything happen in between that? I don't think yeah, so. Yeah, in between – what do you mean you're skipping over your 18th birthday? Oh, bro, yeah. days, bro. Okay, on June 4th, <laughs> on June fourth, twenty twenty one, Emery over here he turned eighteen. Uh, yeah, nice event. You know, he had it in this very place right here. I don't think the guests noticed that they were in a legendary spot of mm-hmm. the Enlightened Brothers uh, podcast because you know we clear up a lot of things um, before and after this podcast. Yeah, but it was definitely something fun. I had a lot of time, uh, a lot of fun spending time with my fr- friends and family. That came over to celebrate me. Oh yeah, and we I, we skipped over something. You had two parties, bro. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. So <laughs> we celebrated uh, Caleb twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we also had um graduation parties. I had a graduation party the day before. Uh, it's weird. Have we ever had a rainy podcast? I don't know if we've ever had a rainy pod. I don't even know if they can a hear sun the rain. Shower. The thing is, it's like the devil's beating his wife right now because it's, it's what, sunny. Bro? It's sunny. That's that's the saying. <laughs> The, sun, the saying is the devil's beating his wife when it's sunny outside, but it's rainy. Anyway. <laughs> I've never heard about that. I had two graduation parties, uh, one on the Thursday before my Friday graduation, one on the Saturday after. Uh, yeah, it was very good. I received a lot of cash, received a lot of love, mm. and, you know, very appreciative of that time, man. Yeah. It but was – I know I said I had a terrible uh, two months, but those those – these moments, oh yeah, these sprinkles of light made up for it, and, and it was great, man. And me going to uh, a school fifteen hours away, a drive from my current home now, is scary at first. But events like this, it brings a lot of closure. Like it, not necessarily with Emery, because we're going to be friends for a long time. But it's with the other people that you may not either see as often, or you may not ever get to see again. Yeah. Um. I like I said at the party, the likelihood that. All those people are going to be in the same any room at the same time is very low. So it's a very special moment to have all your people around you for one moment. And that's to celebrate you and your graduation. So take some time out of your day. Go tell your loved ones that you love them. Even those that you may not think you love, go spread some love. And 
That'll definitely make you a happier person. Oh, yeah. And if you're thinking whether or not to have a graduation party, maybe you have to pay for college. Maybe you don't have enough money. Hey, maybe bro, move that lightsaber real oh, quick. Oh, sorry. <laughs> maybe. I know. Uh, <laughs> I put it down on purpose. Um, but or, you know, just maybe you think you can allocate your funds in a more uh, important way. I would disagree with that. Spending. There's no price on love. There's no price on that community. Whatever you have to spend on an amazing graduation party, whether it's paying for flights, paying for venues, whatever you do, if you're about to graduate, dude, I promise you it is worth it. Nothing nothing in the future that you would have to pay for is worth that one moment. I promise you. So anybody saying you don't have to do a graduation party, I disagree because they were absolutely amazing. Let's do a quick review of high school. Not by memories, but, like, what the experience was. Oh, yeah. Okay, you can for, go first. For me, like, graduation, that is a huge milestone. Because, yeah. you, know, you know, you see some of your peers, they don't make it to graduation. Yeah. Um, by whatever circumstances they may be. Mm-hmm. And you, you're always sitting in class learning about this material. And that, that was our way of life. Right. For, that's all we knew up till this point in our lives. And... That has finally come to a close. Yes. Now, some people may continue that education, or some people might go um, go into the workforce immediately after high school. Only fans, this electrician. Is the, this is the point in our lives where we were all on like practically the same practically the same road, but that road has begun to divert into yes. different different avenues. Yes, and it's re- I, it has it. I don't think it's hit me yet. Still. Maybe it'll hit me once I see all my close friends that I've been able had the opportunity to see every day finally leave. And, yeah. you know, next time I'll be hearing them is like a call once a month or like just texting them. But I don't, I don't know, man. It's it feels unreal. I know everybody goes through this. Yeah. And, you know, people feel it in different ways. A lot of people probably relate to what I'm saying right now. But I think high school was a great experience. Maybe I could have done more. Maybe I could have done less. But I'm content with what I've done during that time, mm. all yeah. my school life. I, I can I can agree on many fronts, uh, especially you know I, I've been in two different pub, uh, schooling systems. I've been in private school and I've been in public school. Private school they may hold a specific part of school to a, a higher um, in a higher regard, may that be mathematics or uh, religion, whatever it is. Um, but public school, it's more generalized. And I viewed it as a, like a microcosm of life, as well as basketball. Um, I got to go through, I wouldn't say everything in life, but I've gotten to go through so many things. Um, falling in love, making friends, enemies, even though I didn't view others as enemies, some have viewed me as an, an enemy, um, sadness, depression, disappointment, failure, success, triumph, the whole nine yards. And I got to uh, indulge in a lot of cultures, a lot of different people. And most of all, I just got to see, you know, I don't know. I talk about this digital future, but there's also nothing worth just the faces. Like even I'm not, I I would never want to be deaf, but like, just like, seeing people's faces it quiets my environment sometimes and it just it's so powerful just all these different faces and recollect like remembering all these different faces um that's absolutely awesome but for me um i i i'm i'm big on time 
I'm big on the flow of time, um, as fictitious as, the, as that may be. And I, I view high school in like a timeline perspective. So I came in, I thought I knew who I was. I thought I was going to go to the NBA. Um, and instantly, um, even bef- as I was coming into high school, I was met with hardships, personal, family, um, and in my like in my basketball sense too. And then going through hardships, getting beat down constantly, and then I came to a realization: well, you have to work hard to get what you want. So I come in, and that started one of my biggest traits of me is just working my tail off. So for the next year and a half, two years. In what I lacked in experiencing with my friends and with other people, I gained in working my behind off. So I gained that trait. And then I get to another point, basketball still not working out, but I find that there's something else I love that's science, podcasting, all these things. And I think of the fact that I want to go to an Ivy League school, and then I work for that. And it's just this ebb and flow, it's this timeline. And now I, co- I started as this little man um, or this little boy, and now I'm a man. And I finally feel like a, a person. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I've been searching for identity. I've been searching for self-love this whole time. And now, <clears throat> now I'm at the point where I feel whole. I feel a person. Uh, I mean, I feel like a whole person. I'm emotionally better than I've ever been. I take walks every morning now. I can think with myself. I can talk to myself. And that's more powerful than anything. So going through high school is just like I'm I'm forever in debt to Oakleaf High School and what it's given to me. Yeah, man. See, that was very profound. <laughs> yeah, no, that was. High school is, is, was very profound. Yeah. And I think to sum it up, it's a journey of finding the pieces that make you mm-hmm. all of school, not just high school. Yeah. And it's nothing like the TV shows. Maybe the TV shows had a little more drama, a little more intensity, but it could not measure up to the authenticity that real real experience gets you. Whether it was good or bad, we could say that we got through it. And now it's time for the next stage. Where where do we go from here? Well, for one, one more quick point on that before we go on to the next thing. I think me and Emery also did an amazing job, better than a lot of our peers. Like, the the, the neg- negativity is so easy in life. Mm. And people spend years just hating high school, skipping school, not showing up, going on trips during the year when they could go to d- during the summer, um, you know, just screwing around in class, doing all these things, not showing up to lunch, not showing up to classes their senior year, even though that's, yeah, it's your own prerogative. But me and Emery, we truly got the full experience of high school, and the people that didn't, they're gonna look back on looking. They're gonna look back on it, wishing that they have gotten as much experience as Emery and I have. Whether me and Emery, we both have friend groups that are n- not attached to us in any ways, mm-hmm. and we, there's many people throughout the school that we know. Um, We've gone to every event except for, and I will always regret not going to one of our school plays. Both of us oh, have missed yeah, that bro. opportunity. I've been to an actual play, but yeah, seeing not one before performed by peers. Yeah, no, no we haven't gone. We never got to go to one of uh, our high school plays. Luckily, I have a little sister that's in high school, and I'll be able to fulfill that and complete my high school experience. Right. But we've walked every inch of the school, been in almost every single portable. 
talked to many teachers, many faculty, met so many awesome people. May it be from freshman all the way up to senior. And just if you're still in that uh, still in that age or if you have however many years of high school or middle school, whatever you have, however many years of life you have, experience it to the fullest, man. And I know every day may feel repetitive. Yeah. For three years of high school, every day felt like the same thing to mm-hmm. me, just a process that you keep going through. But if you look deep enough, there are new things to find everywhere, every day. There are new perspectives for you to think about. There are new people for you to meet. There are new perspectives that you can take in from those people you meet. And life isn't as black as white as you may think. There's yeah. a lot of vibrant colors underneath all underneath the surface. So just go look, go explore. Maybe you'll find something you like, maybe not, but there's always joy in exploring the things that you never that you never would have initially put yourself out to do because Absolutely. I can me and Kayla we've definitely become more I want to say extroverted but outward in our oh, yeah. pursuit of knowledge. We have two mics in front of our face talking yeah, to hundreds bro. of people right now. Yeah. And if you don't believe Emery from a, a personal standpoint and from uh, more of like an anthropological, even though this mine, what I'm about to say is also anthropological, but like, yes, it's absolutely true. It, the world is ever changing. And it, it's interesting how human, because the, the human experience of time is so special. Because mm-hmm. if you're some great omniscient figure, right, God, and you're outside of this world looking at, looking at it, um, not him because he's, within us as well but say there was some being that uh, another being that could just see our whole universe our whole timeline time really almost loses its meaning in that grand scope but for us the only reason we perceive this time is because our memory of the our past and our predictions of the future and our realization of the present these three pieces together it creates because time is actually incremented there is a plank a plank length to time uh, 10 to the negative 44 seconds. And those are the, the the smallest increments of time. So it is these pieces. But humans over evolution and time have been able to create this flow of time. And with entropy, as I've talked about in episode 20, you know, sorry, episode 19, if you didn't get to listen to that one, it, it creates this constant change. So from a scientific standpoint to a personal, spiritual, wherever you want to go, this life is always changing, and this constant change gives you an opportunity to always experience it. And you know what's super interesting? This world functions off intangibles. Yeah. Literally, if if leaves weren't green, how, how do you think this world would operate? Oh, I mean, it, it'd be a I'm, lot different. Bro. I'm sure we would be in a po- in a apocalyptic wasteland. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, you don't even realize that the little tiniest of details yeah. are what makes something whole. Yeah. A li- what, what did my mom say, bro? A tiny those tiny drops of water are what form a mighty ocean or something like that. Yeah. Everything is consisted of everything that's within it. I know that sounds like a bit like obvious, but Sometimes you forget that, like, if you weren't on this world, the world wouldn't be the same. Yeah. No matter how minuscule that difference may be, 
your experiences and the experiences of others and your experiences with each other are what shape relationships, they're what shape society, and they're what shape our functionality as human beings. Absolutely. So you need to take in everything that you can and you need to give out everything that you can. That way you can you can um you can function yourself and the world can function. Mm-hmm. I mean in a positive way. Yeah, uh, every, each piece to the whole is absolutely necessary to creating the output of that whole. Facts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah. Awesome. Okay, so <clears throat> have we wrapped up that chapter? Anything else? High school. But more things have happened. Oh, well, oh, yeah, oh, no. Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, so we can continue. Now? One last question. What are you looking forward to most in your future now? Oof. In the near future. You know, I was just asked this question the other day. Near future makes it a lot easier. Mm, man. You know, the reason why I've taken walks, because uh, I really need to sit with myself and think. Because there are a lot of things I want to accomplish before I head to Brown University on September 2nd. I'm building a website. I have research to do, this podcast to do. I'm working. I have a piano to learn. I have all these things I want to accomplish. And I also need have sleep I need to get. I also want to rest before I go to this super hard school. And I've constantly been thinking like, oh, man, why am I always running out of time? Why do I always feel like I don't have enough time to do all the things that I wanted, want to do? So what I'm excited about in the near future, for one, is knocking some of these things off my list, uh, getting some things off my plate. But it's to, uh, you know, continuously, like, develop my relationship with time. Um, this Today on my walk, um, you know, it's, it's interesting how the, your, the philosophy that you use, of the, your philosophy of life constantly needs to change to optimize where you're at in your life. Because last summer, when I was grinding, when I was learning all this stuff, I planned out every minute of my day. Then I got to a point where I didn't fulfill that plan, and it would tear me apart. And my dad was like, dude, you need to stop planning out your day. And I stopped planning out my day. Now today on my walk, I'm thinking, wait, I need to start planning out my day again. And now that I have a better relationship with myself, I probably can do that without killing myself in the process so just a better relationship with time um continuing continuing to work hard uh, achieve some of my goals for this summer um that's my my short-term short-term goal and then a little bit in the future as i get to school um man i'm just ready to get my mind blown uh i've got (laughs) um i get blow i get blown a lot but Hey, bro. I'm, you know what you do. I'm doing very excited to to get my my bl- my brains blowed completely this time. <laughs> uh, I'm about to take a lot of very interesting courses. Um, I, I've talked to some friends about the courses that my school is offering, and it's absolutely awesome. So I'm, I'm ready for that. What about you, though? You know the joy of podcast, bro. Yeah. Is I don't know if you guys knew this, but we continuously learn. Oh, yeah. While we're doing these episodes and I was going to say my goal, my short term goal is to find direction, really. Mm -hmm. But hearing you has given me some direction on and I was I just realized that it's obvious what I want to do. Yeah. And, you know, I say short term 
But what I'm about to say is like it sounds long term. I want to change the world. Okay. But you yeah. know that is both my long term and short term goal. Yeah. Because you know the world, like you said, time is not going to wait on you. Right. So why should you wait on time? Why should I? Why should I? Just think that oh I'll be able to accomplish this in the future. I don't. Maybe I'll gain more intelligence from the thing, the books I read, the people I meet. But my brain's not going to grow anymore from where it is right now. Right. I've reached my mental peak. I just need hardware, to, hardware, my hardware peak. But yeah. I just need to all, all, all the things that I need are right here. I just need to know where to look for them. Yeah. And to change the world, that's both my long, long term and near term goal, because there's always going to be issues. Yeah. Issues are going to continuously sprout up. During that time, I'm thinking, oh, I'll be able to change the world in the future. How many more problems are going to be formed then? I need to mm. be looking now. I need to be looking at what I can do now, and I always need to be looking. I'll never, I'll never be, uh, I'll never stop looking because these problems are always going to be present. So there need to be people that have solutions at all times, and I want to be one of those people at all times of my life. You know, th that's very interesting because you know, you need to put in many many hours of work to have a world-changing idea have a world-changing product but it's like there are problems right now but you also know that there are long-term problems mm -hmm. and in trying to solve the long-term problems you may suffer you may be you may suffer in the eyes of the public in the short-term issues uh coronavirus for an example um, I can say my knowledge on this whole uh, pandemic and all the stuff that was going on politically, scientifically, you know, it was a little low. And like people knowing I'm the science guy, people will come to me asking me for stuff while I'm in, while I'm trying to figure out how to break the <laughs> how to travel faster than the speed of light. Like I'm thinking about things years beyond maybe me thinking about this right now. I will accumulate these hours over time when it's time to solve this problem. Bam, I'm ready. Let's go. Experience. But, right. But we also need people on the forefront solving things we, uh, right now. Developing an mRNA vaccine. Pfizer. Moderna. J&J, &J, baby. <laughs> <laughs> like people developing stuff right now. So it, it's, inter it's interesting. Are you, the per in, are you the person that solves it right now or will you solve? in the future that's why when you say changing the world's also short term and long term i mean don't limit yourself it, it's interesting exactly. do you split it up and try to do both or do you fully immerse yourself into one or the other everyone everybody like like i said i don't remember what episode i probably said it in numerous episodes mm -hmm. everyone wants to build a legacy yeah and you know usually when you think of a legacy you're thinking of something later on along in my life that I can do that everybody will remember. Right. But if everyone's looking over the horizon, who's looking at it? Right. That's true. That's true. No, no, no that's, a, that's a great point. We need people that can do both. Get you a guy that can do both. <laughs> and hold on, pause. Ladies, I can do both, bro. I mean, so what are, we, what are we waiting on? I mean, you didn't even uh, – Talk about how your hair is gone now, you know. I was saving that for later. Damn, I we bet. have a timeline, but oh, I can't. No, I can. <laughs> oh, okay, I, I said I could edit it out if you want your me to. Boy's bald, nah. Yes, no edits. Yes, sir. The boy is bald. Yes, sir. Uh, and uh, I've been a bean many times in my life, but 
Oh, boy. Being a bean has never felt this good. Yeah, man. Has never felt this good. I mean, you can only be a bean if you're confident with it, bro. I've, yeah, man. I've, I've had it for a little while now. Give, me having waves uh, makes me exit from that family a little bit because people always like, oh, you have waves. So, but yeah. um, hold on. Make sure we're not. Make sure we're not too dark. Oh, no, we're good. We're good. Nice auto correction. But a lot of people, a lot of people, they always tell me, put on your hat, Emery. The bean don't look good. Yeah. But, you know, I'm only wearing this hat because it's sick. Gryffindor, by the way. Yeah. Maybe you could tell by the thumbnail. Slytherin, baby. Uh, oh, yeah, but, we're going to uh, get to that soon. But, you know, I'm wearing this hat because it's sick. If it, if this hat wasn't as raw as it is, I would be a bean boy. Oh, yeah, do it with confidence. Bro. Because ain't nobody going to tell me what should be on my head. Mm. And you know I look good, so why are you saying anything anyway? All right, that was a brief tangent. <laughs> Continue. Uh, so do we want to stay, you know, because the Enlightened Brothers, we're going to also have our uh, an oscillation of our own and oscillate between, you know, the high intellectual uh, points, which which is crazy because, like, Emery talked about the value of podcasting, and when you're not podcasting, sometimes you forget about it because, boy, I'm not eloquent as this. I'm not as eloquent as I am talking to myself. As I am when I get, as soon as I get here, it's like once I put this mic in my hand, it gives me a superpower, and I say some some smart ish. Yeah, bro, I can I can barely hold conversations. Some people probably like they think, how do you run a podcast when you can't even talk to me for five minutes? Yeah, and I don't know. It's, to be honest, I don't know. It's weird. It is a superpower. This is our wand. Right. But um, yeah. So we are gonna oscillate between the high high intellectual and uh, the down and dirty fun teenage. Uh, young men stuff. So you want to uh, d- uh, go go down a little bit to uh, some stories? You oh, want to talk about yeah. June 11th through 14th? <laughs> so um, what did we just cover before? Oh, graduation parties. Yeah. Shortly after these graduation parties. It was your birthday, and then after that. Everybody was antsy because we knew what was coming next. Yes, sir. I want you guys to close your eyes if you're watching this right now. All right. Bam, June 11th. The world never knew what was going to happen <laughs> on the three days to come, starting from this day. <laughs> Caleb Newman and Emery Mokiti ventured on a trip down to Orlando, Florida. <laughs> and boy, oh boy, did they have a grand old time. Oh, uh, yes, sir, man. Uh, us and uh, me, Emery, and 16 other of our friends um, all chipped in money to, uh, turn my hat back pay, pay, to pay for a super nice Airbnb. And, uh, you know, me and our, our friend group since, what, eighth grade, um, mm-hmm. we're chilling in, in the O-Town, man, just kicking it. We did a lot of uh, fun things. There was drama. There was, there was, uh, um, <laughs> there was, there was everything you could ask for on a, on a, a, a senior trip. Jeez. I don't even know where to begin, man. Um, yeah, let's start. Let's do it chronologically. Okay. First day, you know. We just got there. Everything. Oh, was whoa, 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 whoa! No, 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 no. So the trip down. Uh, the first day, actually, me and Emery had an accounting exam that day, so uh, we right, didn't get right. to leave until later. And then halfway through the trip, uh, our driver was Sean, our guest from episode fifteen. Emery was like, uh, "Sean, Sean, Sean, <laughs> uh, Sean, you, uh, you think we could stop by my 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 brother's uh, crib?" Real quick? Right. And we were like, "What? We're trying to get to Orlando. We're trying to have some fun." He was like, "No." Nah, Nah, bro. We, you, you think we could just stop by my, my brother's real quick? Mine is 50 minutes out of the way. So 
when we would arrive at Good three, homies, by the way. when we would arrive at three, we actually arrived at five thirty. Boy, oh boy, me and Sean just gave it to Emery every time Emery said a word. We were just like, Pause. "Shut the oh. f up!" Like, dude, <laughs> we did not let this Emery dude Emery speak. We were really contemplating throwing this dude out of the car because hey, we were trying to have some fun. I would have been posted up on the side of the highway like this. Oh boy, you would have had that thumb like struck this. out. Yeah. <laughs> Freaking people throwing tomatoes at his ass. You dirty. <laughs> like. <laughs> that would not have been a good. That would not have been a good scene for Emery. So he's blessed that we did not throw him out I of the car. I hope to cut that out. <laughs> um, okay. Um, so if you're listening now, you've probably heard many edited portions of this podcast. Um, because without noticing, there are some things that we... Uh, us being who we are, we cannot disclose to this audience. Are they playing with other games? Anyway, we um we moved on, and we had a good time. I stayed up until, th- like, what, 3.40 that night? Um, oh, yeah, and then our room, it was me, Emery. We had bunk beds, so I was, I was the bottom bunk. Emery was the top bunk. And then across the room, we had our friend, um, another friend who was the top bunk. And, uh, yeah, we were just kicking it in our room. Boy, I wish I could – I probably should a- edit in this video – but my, oh, my, Emery and our other friend, they were literally making a snore song. They were snoring in unison. This was uh, two nights later, but it was like. <sighs> I told y'all I'm a man of music, <sighs> even when I'm asleep. Like they were in I unison sing. snoring to each other. Uh, it was like a snore conversation. It was really weird. But yeah, the next day was um, Universal. Uh-huh. Universal. Everybody woke up early. Uh, and we, gosh, we, you know, we, we spent a lot of money on this trip. We took the whole gang to Universal Studios. And you know what I copped? The highlight of that day was not the rides. Bam! Yes. So I had already had this gear before, but Emery copped him some custom merch. Now we both have, uh, I, I don't feel like getting up right now, but we both have these custom shirts with our names on the back. If you can see it, with our names on the back, we have these nice hats. Um, denoting our Harry Potter house. Heck yeah. Yeah, so em- yeah. Emery's a, a Gryffindor. Go known, Griffs. Known for their heroics, bravery, um, courage. Uh, I don't know what other traits. Um, Sexiness. Actually, you yes. see that in me. Yes, uh, good looking as always. And then I am representing uh, representing the Slytherin. Snakes. Um, yeah, snakes. We... All the evil wizards do come from our house. Well, most of them do come from our house. But um, we are known for the the desire for power and greatness. Um, That is our main trait. Um, Mm. And sometimes that can be a good thing. There are a lot of great wizards who come from Slytherin. Harry Potter was actually supposed to be Slytherin. He hoped to be in Gryffindor. That's why he ended up there. But he was supposed to be Slytherin. Also, Voldemort came from Slytherin, who was uh, the all-time evil wizard. So that desire for greatness and power um, can either knock you up or knock you down. Um, you up. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Universal was awesome. Uh, if you don't know me, I'm not a big fan of roller coasters. Usually when I go to a park, I'll always be like, okay, I'm going to conquer uh, my fear today, and I'm going to ride one big roller coaster. One thing we forgot, the reason I didn't do it this time was actually because a month prior, we all went to Bush, Bush Gardens, Gardens yeah. which we uh, actually did not mention on the show yet. Bush Gardens yeah. was our senior, senior trip, trip through the school. Um, and I rode a, a, a big scary ride at Bush Gardens. 
But, um, you know, we were at the park for like 11 hours. I was probably by myself for uh, two and a half, three of those hours. But I, I had a strolling gr- around. I had a great time. And everybody was like, because they, nobody, none of my friends could notice me because I just looked like, they said I, I looked like a rich tourist. Like I was just walking <laughs> around in my Harry Potter gear. I had my AirPods in, my mask on, and this hat. So they couldn't really notice me. And I was just walking around, enjoying the scenery. I got on a few simulation rides by myself. Uh, shout out, Jimmy Fallon raced through New York. was pretty fun. I got on Fast and Furious, but the ride shut down. So oh, yeah. I, had to, I had to get back on the ride later on. Uh, I was just listening to my podcast, man. And I was just strolling around, enjoying the sun, enjoying the park. But other than that, you know, we all had a lot of fun time together. Yeah. Now me. Park. I went on some action-packed ro- roller coasters. Oh, yeah. I was high up in the air. And you know me, I'm actually afraid of heights, man. But my trick is this. Once you stand in that line long enough convincing yourself, oh, this ride's not going to be too bad. Once you sit down, you're going to know, oh, this ride's going to be absolutely horrible. Really? You just clench your cheeks hard enough and close your eyes until you take off and realize, damn, there's nothing I can do. Yeah. And then you're just sitting in it. And once it's over, you're like, damn, I did that. Yeah. And it's crazy because, you know, although I am afraid of heights, although I am the loudest on those roller coasters because I am screaming my booty off, <laughs> it is fun by, at the end of the day. And we're going to get Caleb on these coasters, bro. Oh, yeah. He's still afraid. We're going to get him on these coasters. Bro. I don't know. It's just like this time I was like, man, I'm going to do what I want to do this time because I've, I've done it countless of times. Every other time I go to a park, I was like, I'm going to get on because I just like I can't just I can't rationalize forcing myself to Wait, have dang. that feeling in that st- in my stomach when's the next time you're gonna even touch a roller coaster they yeah. don't got no roller coasters in rhode island yeah that's what I'm, i don't oh know the next gosh. time i'm gonna get to a theme park uh but i'll get there maybe this I'll, man's gonna go bobsledding maybe i'll go maybe i'll go to disneyland in la or something but yeah i i, I don't i don't know uh that just the feeling in that in my stomach is because look, you can shake me, jerk me as hard as you want. You can make me go, go, uh, come and go as fast as I want or you want, but I just cannot take the the drops. Hey, the drops bro. make my stomach feel. The, they hey, literally make hey, my, st- my stomach drop. Like, <laughs> what, bro? <laughs> what, bro? What are you doing? What are you talking about, bro? I'm not even gonna repeat you. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> what the hell, bro? <laughs> no. Uh, let's, let's move on. Uh, so day three. No, oh yeah. So no, the night of universal, I also stayed up till three forty after universal. Oh wow. I stayed up till three forty again. I'm this man's uh, a demon. I'm known for not going to sleep late at all. Actually my, um, f- my, my, uh, favorite bedtime to go to sleep before I had a girlfriend, um, I would love to go to sleep at 9.30. 9.30 yeah, was bro. my favorite I'm time. I'm known to stay up. This man, yeah. sw- swap places. I, outslept, I, 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 had, I clocked in the most wake hours than anybody on this trip. Um, but it is crazy. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, and then the next day, um, well, we th- we had a pool at our place, so we did a lot of pool stuff. The oh, next yeah. day, we, um, we uh, chilled in the pool that morning, played some basketball. I cut up my mouth having my mouth open and basketball was fun. We were, it was basketball. We were le- legit just wrestling each other. Yeah. Um, in the fun. pool. That was fun. It uh, made us feel young. Um, then we went to this, uh, I don't know what Arcade. happened. Arcade. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell are you hitting it so hard? <laughs> Look at the legs. <laughs> yeah, what happened in between 
the morning in Andretti. Why was that so? That's so much know. time, but I feel like we didn't do a lot. Um, and so yeah, we went to this arcade named Andretti's. Yeah, it was arcade Florida. with Orlando. I mean, yeah, yeah, Orlando, Florida. They had laser tag. They had go karts, all this stuff. So we yeah, did that for it was pretty cool. A nice two hours, like then, a rich Dave and Buster's. Yeah. Then we had our fancy dinner. Mm-hmm. We went to the Osprey Tavern. Bro, that was I had some um, crab rice, Jamaican crab rice. Ooh. Boy. What were those hush puppies? Crab puppies. Yeah. We cra- also had crab puppies. Those oh, were underratedly good. Those jones were busting, boy. And but I had that price. Yeah. It wasn't even, it was more than a dollar per puppy, bro. Oh, yeah. It was $9 for seven puppies. What the hell very, got into you? Very annoying. Um, but Seven hush puppies. And they were small, bro. Yeah. They were good, but they were small. And I had some Bell and Evans chicken, but we, we enjoyed it. My, I couldn't enjoy my food as much as I wanted to because my mouth was messed up, man. Mm. Cuts all up in my mouth. I couldn't really eat. Uh, but then that night. That night, that night, that night. Ready, set, go! Oh, oh. All the crazy stuff happened. The magic um, beam the, people reappeared. Uh, we had a lot of fun. I actually pulled an all-nighter, my first official all-nighter, because the last all-nighter I did, um, my friend Jacob, who was on this podcast, therefore I can say his name, Jacob from episode 21, uh, he pulled, He was the only other person to pull an, all-night, an all-nighter with me, but he saw the, the sunrise and he tapped out. <laughs> I I stayed up all night. I saw the sunrise. I cleaned, I stayed up until, boy, I stayed up until 4 o'clock that next day. Um, I cleaned the whole house while everybody was sleeping. Uh, people fell asleep on the stairs, falling yeah. asleep on the floor. But I, I pulled an like a, an official all nighter, and I felt great. But I know, yeah, and all around, just an amazing weekend. Bro. Oh, and not, won't even address the situation, but there was there was a little bit of high school drama, like oh, you yeah, do see the, in the we, shows. It didn't you, go to those lengths, you, but you can't have a high school trip without a little bit of high school drama. We had a little ants in our pants. Yeah, bro, a little bit of ants in our pants, man. Yeah. Uh, but it, a fun trip. Uh, and I, you look back in things on life. Like I even look back on me studying first things, and I was like, boy, I worked hard. But I can't look back on this trip more than anything than just pure elation. And there was like a lot of like many pieces of the trip because I got to have my one-on-one time with uh, everyone. Uh, one-on-one time with lots of my friends, whether it be me and um, one of my friends who might be a guest in the future. Um, road to rise together. Uh, just uh, to having talks with people upstairs, um, having talks, group talks about deep conversations, because that's my thing. Uh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not really big on firebending or magic beans or yeah. raw meal and ale, but I am big on deep conversations, uh, deep experiences, having fun, sharing laughs, sharing smiles, and at the end of the day, we had a lot of that, um, and I hope that we can do this every year. You know, a lot of our parents and people will tell us that, you know, you can't keep friendships past high school. I think the paradigm has shifted a little bit because of social media. But, you know, you keep the friends you want to keep. Mm-hmm. Um, I know I won't be uh, the thing, the camel, that the straw that breaks the camel's back. I'm not going to be the person that's going to break up the friendship. But if we're able to pull this off every year, that would be awesome. The thing about friendship, too. It does go both ways if you want to have it sustained. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't need to be like high school where everybody goes their separate ways. But like maybe if you move away, text your friend, 
you can wait on your friend to text you too, but just know that all the time you don't have to be the one to initiate that contact and they don't need to be the one to, to initiate that contact as well. But you, you have know, to reciprocate each other's energy. It was insane how important or it, it's insane to me how important we think our lives are. We really think that us humans who are 99.99% alike clones to the next human beside us. We really think our lives are that important because I just noticed the other day it is so easy to send a text, DM, Snapchat. It's a little bit harder. It's not even it's a, it's actually in a va- and not even in a vacuum. In all reality, it's so easy to have a conversation. You don't have to be up all night Netflix watching Cake Boss and too hot to handle, all American, on my block, whatever. Is that your lineup, bro? Uh, no, that's not my lineup. But uh, I was just trying to come up with some popular shows, House of Cards, whatever you watch on Netflix, Game of Thrones. Shoot, I don't know. You don't have to spend your time watching these shows. You're, they're, they're fun, but it is so easy. Technology has made it so easy to just shoot a text to somebody. The only reason people don't, ego. Yeah. Hey, I'll admit, I have a bit of ego, too. I, we all do. Yeah. We need it. We need an ego. It's essential. But you don't want to tone it down. Yeah, but it, it's crazy. And I'm in, you know, some of my grandparents are listening to this like this little mother. <laughs> you think it's so easy to text somebody, <laughs> but I haven't heard from you in weeks. Grandma, Papa, aunt, uncle, whoever. I am sorry. Everybody as well. I'm we, sorry. Too. Although although I noticed this, I am still at fault. But Everybody is at fault because, you know, it doesn't all it, it does go both ways. But it's crazy how we all think our time is that valuable and it is valuable. But it's crazy what we attribute that value to. And, you know, I just realized as well how easy it is to see your faults in yourself. Yeah, because not only are you your greatest enemy, your own greatest enemy, you are also your own best friend. Yeah. And you know yourself more than anybody will ever know you. So I, I know a lot of things about myself that are wrong. But, you know, that stubbornness, that ego, you like you don't want to change because yeah. just because you may have whatever reason you uh, want. And but a like, lot of times know. we know our faults. We're just afraid to admit exactly. it. Exactly. We're afraid. We're uh, a lot of times we know our faults. We're afraid to admit it. I can admit on this podcast as uh, you're getting a phone call right now. Yes, Casey. Um, oh, yeah. One of our guests from back in the day. What time is it? Uh, it's, it's one o'clock. Oh, yeah. yes. Cookies. He needs to drop off. Huh? Yes. Snickerdoodles for me. Yo, Casey, bro, what the? <laughs> f- are you gonna? I, I paid uh, him, bro. Okay. Still, I'm your god brother, bro. You should at least. Hey, you know, yeah. I better. Where's my phone? Where's my phone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we're we're gonna we're gonna call this boy on the podcast right now. Since today, we're just kicking it, bro. Yo, Yendo. Oh, yeah, we're on a podcast right now. Hey, say what's up to the Enlightened family. Oh, <laughs> uh, nah, man, you good. You know, season two, we're uh, we're a lot more wild now, so we're gonna answer phone calls on the yeah. podcast. All hey, that Casey, stuff. but uh, we no, hold on. I heard you have some snickerdoodles for this guy. No, no, you can come in. Just walk, come around through the back, and you can walk in while we're recording. But um, but uh. Before I get angry at you, I hope I, I hope there's some uh, you know family you know family niceties. I hope I have a few free snickerdoodles set aside. Shut the hell up. No, Casey, he no. he got to pay for your services. What'd you say, Casey? Shut up. I said literally, I said something in the group chat. Nobody said anything. 
I didn't see it. I didn't see it. I don't even remember what we were talking about. Oh, friendship, ego. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, no. I'm willing to admit I am over-competitive and... Uh, some I'm over competitive and I over compare myself to other people. I'm willing to admit things like that, but it's it's willing it's being able to just say your feelings in words. Like I'm I'm never I'm I've never been able to understand why you can't put your feelings to words. It may be hard. Maybe language is flawed. We but did say this. There are too many emotions to feel and not enough words to describe them. But I I'm saying the human language is so poetic. You can get pretty dang close. You can get pretty. Yeah. You can get pretty dang close to to explaining things. At least I believe so. This podcast but, is changing my nature as a person because now I'm becoming more vocal. Yeah, actually, it's it still doesn't really compare, but it's a little. It's a little bit. I'm getting a little better at vocalizing how I feel. Yeah, because usually I just think things. I don't. Uh, I don't expel those feelings out towards the world, and that w- that's been my safe haven. That's been my comfort, Absolutely. and I'm getting out of my comfort zone. But that doesn't mean that I can't build new comforts. For sure, man. So uh, we're going to take a, a quick fruit snack break. Or, and um, we'll Get be back. Get into the topics. We'll be back with the topics. And we are boom, 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 boom. back. I want you in my room. What I have done research on. Uh, is the UFO stuff that has been going on. Um, I don't know what Emery has uh, to bring to the table, but we're going to start off with uh, the UFOs. Um, so as I usually like to start off the science topics before I dive deep into it, uh, Emery, what have you seen uh, with this UFO stuff over the past few weeks, months? Um, not as much as I should be, just Twitter information uh-huh. mostly. Twist Twitter, yeah. Have you seen but, any um, of the videos? The videos of yeah. like footage? Yeah. Uh I seen I think I've seen a couple midgets of it on like CNN or something. Yeah. But I haven't paid attention to it really. It but it is some wild stuff like uh CIA, right? Released information. Uh the Pentagon. Pentagon. Yeah. Released information uh Finally. regarding um all the unidentified flying objects that they've seen. Mm-hmm. Starting what it, what is it like Rockwell or something? Oh, I don't know Roswell? that. I don't know. The, yeah, so Roswell. Yeah, Roswell. That that starting. I think it's starting from that era, and like they've comp- they verified that UFOs do exist. Yeah, but not that they are extraterrestrial. Perhaps like um, Russian or another country's yeah. um, new technology. So to clarify, um, UFOs have existed forever. I mean, not forever, but as long as we've had all this, like, stories of it. So when you hear the government verifies that UFOs are real, that's – that you're literally saying nothing. That is a a null statement because UFOs is an unidentified flying object. If I am born um, in an uh, – if I was born in 1820 – and I was frozen in ice and woke up today. Everything I see flying in the sky from helicopters to airplanes UFO. are all UFOs to me. So when you say government verifies UFOs are real, that is a null statement. But when the government comes out and saying that um, they are, th- the footage um, is things that they cannot exactly explain, that is a big deal. That is um, deep, bro. Um, it is a very big deal. Uh, 
and I don't. I actually don't want to spend too much time on talking about what's in the sky uh, because what can we say? Um, I part of me wanting to become this big figure in the future is I hate not knowing stuff. And the fact that we get this information so far after um, like it is realized um, is annoying to me. So there's not much we can do other than talk about the footage. Um, but what ca I can say from the footage is um, these alien spacecraft definitely have a different relationship to inertia than, or I'm not going to call it alien spacecraft. I'm sorry. These unidentified flying objects. Um, seem to have a different relationship to inertia than we do. Um, they seem to, it seems to be a physics that um, mainstream, we as mainstream people have not seen yet. I'm not sure if this is like Russia, China, or USA, if these technologies have been developed. My assumption is no. My assumption is no. That is why it is either a glitch or something in nature that, um, or it's actually um, an extraterrestrial uh, species. Um, so it, I think it's either one of those two things. Um, but these things move at uh, crazy hypersonic speeds. Um, they change directions. They move at, uh, at really acute angles. Um, the, and this all, all of this stuff, like the, uh, the amount of power, work, and energy required to move one of our spacecrafts in these ways when it's just like, just like that moving so quickly. Um, it, it's just, it's crazy. And we're nowhere near being able to move like that in yeah. a spaceship. And it's different. It's interesting. If this is some alien species, like is different. It's interesting to see like the difference in their technology and ours. Um, they're obviously way ahead of us because, they're them able to move they're them able to have this relationship with physics moving through space like this uh, space and time in that th that manner i encourage you to look at the videos and compared to us lugging uh thousands of tons of big heavy craft up into the space with very minimal movement and these have you researched anything on like how they're uh, they operate which ones like um these ones that are mu moving in those like quick speeds and acute angles and all that. Oh, uh, I mean, like I'm research to the extent that we I'm can. Sure, no. I'm sure like they would like go and try to see if there's like residue, like fuel residue within the sky and within no the trace. atmosphere. No, no tr trace. No trace. So not only are they operating on like different technology, they're operating on different fueling systems. Yes. And that is, that's, I think that's way more interesting. So, um, this was going to be a little later, um, but so how I want to do this today is I actually don't want to spend all this time talking about the now. I want to talk about the future. I want to talk about what we'll do. I want to talk about intelligent species in the future as well as how we are going to propel ourselves in the future. Um, but since Emery brought up they have this different relationship to fuel, I'm going to bring up... Um, the uh, different propulsion systems that uh, can be used that are realized. Um, there's lots of them, but these are the main ones. And before we get into that, uh, special guest, our special <laughs> guest, uh, Casey, uh, the first episode, the first guest on yeah, any uh, Enlightened Brothers podcast. He just arrived. He walked <laughs> around the back. Is it locked? Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so uh, Casey, Casey has brought some amazing his amazing Snickerdoodle cookies. 
has uh, have, they haven't seen Casey not in a costume. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. This is my uh, casual wear. We finna go to the gym, so I just figured out. Yeah, I'm not last time Casey was here was that Halloween special, yeah, and he was wearing in PB and J or something, right? Yeah, PB and J, and then I had a on um, had on a mask and then like a voice modulator. Yeah, yeah. that was that was lit. I like that episode. <laughs> yeah, but we're actually talking about um the UFO stuff right now, Casey. <laughs> I love this man. I love this man. Here, eat your own creation. Okay, okay, okay. Casey's an all-around amazing guy. Mm. Mm. Oh, some good cookies. This is going to power me through getting through the rest of the podcast because this is getting a little shaky. Quick ASMR section. Probably not. What? Oh, mm-hmm. Mm. Well, it's a good thing that they're good because I did. Um, I was in the process of making the cookies, and then I realized um, I didn't have um, an ahead, ingredient bro. that I normally put in them. But uh, it's good to know that they still turn out good. You know. What ingredient? I can't tell you the ingredient. I might as well just give you the entire recipe if I tell you the ingredient. Okay. It's Fair it's enough. not my special ingredient, but it's my special special. So I have, like, my special ingredient, which I always have. I always make sure I have that before I even start making it. Mm-hmm. And the special, special, I just I low-key forgot about it. It's just playing my mind. But, um, you know, the batches, I normally – it depends on the size of the cookie. But even, like, if I do a small ball of the cookie, I don't know how we got here to talk about how I make the cookies. But even if I do, like, a small ball of dough on the pan, they still turn out good size. Like, you can see, like, Emery, show them one of these cookies real quick. But they still turn out good size. So a batch can make, like, anywhere between – 24-ish to like 30 cookies and so I normally do it normally ends up being like 27 28 ish I put in uh 25 in a batch and then um I just like save the extra couple so yeah that that's that but yeah if you want to snickerdoodle cookie you know just hit me up uh I don't have you don't have to get a whole batch you can do like three cookies five cookies however many you want we'll work out a price and uh go from there it's mainly just a fun for the ingredients because my uh, parents don't let me just use their ingredients and, and be done with it like that anymore. So Use code Enlightened for 10% off. Mm-hmm. What, well, for one, I could eat like 10 of those cookies, bro. They're so good. Those are some heavyweight cookies, bro. Awesome cookies. He ate two, I ate one. Bro. That, that's a heavy cookie. I, I can eat five right now, I promise you. Like These are the best cookies. These are some of the best cookies I've ever had, but uh, propulsion types. So there's all these different types of propulsion. I honestly don't think... These alien spacecrafts are using either of these, any of these. They're probably just using something that we don't know about. Um, but rocketeering uh, or rocket rocketry, whatever, basically fun- fundamentally functions off of New- Newton's third law of motion, which is hmm. okay. Every <laughs> it's the it's the um, every action has an equal and opposite reaction. You guys don't remember that. Yeah, refresher. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> anytime you push on something, there is an opposing force back. When yeah. you stick your hand out of the window and feel the hand brushing up, when you're jumping in the air, actually, when you stand, we're sitting in chairs right now, you feel all the weight in your butt because even you're, you actually don't feel the fo- force of gravity. You feel the reaction because 
excuse me, the chair is accelerating upward. Gravity is accelerating you downward. You're feeling your um, butt respond to that upward acceleration. It's kind of poetic, chair. man. Yeah. Um, but uh, so propulsion, it's pushing out fuel in order to push something through space. So we have the ones that we use uh, now, the solid and liquid fuel, just using the gases and um, the, the uh, gas and all that stuff that we use now to power our rockets. Um, then moving on, we have an ion engine, which isn't as powerful, but it lasts a lot longer. It's a stream of ions pushed out of the end of the rocket. We have a stream of plasma. That's the plasma engine. Plasma is um, the, the fourth state of matter where um, it's just a sea of ions. Basically, it's atoms, but the electrons have been ripped off. Um, and then we have a nuclear fusion and fission engine or rocket. Um, and that's basically using the energy from splitting the atom or combining atoms together. Um, now onto the interesting stuff. Um, what we see in Rick and Morty, what we see in Star Trek, um, is an antimatter uh, rocket. Um, so first, do you got either of you guys have any intuition of what antimatter is? Uh, seeing as I watched the Cleveland show in uh, South Park, no. Mm, oh, <laughs> the only knowledge I have on antimatter is from um, what's that show? Like the Flash, where they have that whole like antimagnet matter uh, sequ sequence or segment or whatever. Well, um, actually, I'm gonna take you guys back in time. Uh, so this is where the whole because I've done plenty of research today, uh, yesterday, the, for, on my whole physics career, I've loved the uh, thought of antimatter, which is um, it's not p just in the it came from mathematics, but experiments have confirmed that um, antimatter is real. Um, so all the way back to 1928, Paul Dirac, the father of this whole uh, school of thought or whatever, the guy who who discovered antimatter um, in the mathematics, um, noticed there was a problem. So even before there was something called the Schrodinger equation. If you guys remember, we talk about Schrodinger's cat, but the Schrodinger, uh, the Schrodinger's wave equation basically is the equation that maps the wave of these quantum particles. So he noticed, okay, in the electron, this equation isn't, doesn't exactly match what the electron does because the Schrodinger's equation is only for particles moving at slow speeds. Um, but Paul Dirac noticed, wait, these electrons are moving so fast. I need to make it make sense for particles moving at high velocities. Okay, the way to do and the also what was happening at the time um, in 1915 was or was it 1905 or no? It was uh, 1905. The science of f of high velocities is special relativity by Albert Einstein. Uh, special relativity is anything moving at the super fast speeds. That's when you get the twin paradox and the, the speed of light limit and all this stuff we talk about. But he had to make the equation make sense for special relativity. So we had, this is where we saw the first marriage. I'm sorry, getting a little too technical, trying not to be. The first marriage between special relativity or between relativity and quantum mechanics. Because that's the whole problem in physics right now, because we can't do it for gravity. We mashed together special relativity and quantum mechanics. In that, there was a little feature of these quantum particles. They had a counterpart, a friend. So there's the normal matter particle, but what comes with it to make the equation make sense is these antiparticles. So 
particles and or matter and antimatter, they're all the same in everything except for charge. So an electron has what kind of charge? Negative. An electron has negative charge. That was obvious, bro. An, an electron... <laughs> Because he asked you. Uh, he looked at you. I, 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 was, I was talking to both of y'all. I looked at you, though. But uh, an electron has a negative charge. Its antiparticle pair has positive charge. It's called a, a positron. You have protons, antiprotons, whatever. You have quarks, antiquarks, all of these things. Uh, all matter has an anti-counterpart. Um, there's a whole bunch of interesting stories, um, actually, because there's all these things to do with the anti-matter world, and you can theoretically have anti an anti-universe and it would look the same let's say we go to an alien species uh, or we travel to another planet but it's an anti-planet that we don't we don't know and let's say all up until the point where we meet these aliens we don't touch any matter yet because here's the big thing about matter and antimatter when matter and antimatter meet pure energy is propelled it's the it's a, a, an insane explosion um i think uh, an, a, a penny's worth of antimatter is equal to 10 kilotons of, or it's a penny's worth of antimatter meeting matter is worth to 10 kilotons of TNT, something wow. crazy like that. Um, Why does everything in science love to explode, bro? I, I know, right? Um, but I'm getting super technical here, but we don't know if a, an antimatter world would have, uh, we don't know if the universe has left-right parity. So we don't know if um, we would be able to communicate with these aliens to tell them what's the difference between left and right. But we would have told them prior, okay, we shake hands with our right hand. But let's say we go to this alien world and they think left is right or our left is their right or whatever. We go up. If we both stick out the, like the, the hand across, run away. Because as soon as you touch, everything's going to freaking mm. explode. Um, that's just an interesting physics story. But – now talking about antimatter and propulsion systems, anti the antimatter rocket's actually my uh, third or second mm, mm, second uh, macro rocket favorite macro rocket. Um, but a let's see, where do I have here? Talk about like actual rocket. Um, yeah, no. So that would be the fuel to rocket oh. uh, to take us to inter interplanetary interstellar travel. Um, so the energy packed into an antimatter matter collision is immense. It is about a billion times greater than the ordinary rocket fuel we use today. Uh, you know the the M and M candies. Mm -hmm. A few of those of antimatter size, they will. Um, a few M and Ms of antimatter, anti M and Ms could get us to Mars, in a very short time. Yes. Um, and there's all these safety precautions we have to do. But an antimatter rocket, just that was a quick little subsection. Antimatter rocket would be awesome. That's a lot of science fiction stories have an antimatter rocket. That's hopefully the proportion system we'll use in the future. There's two other ones. The other one I'm going to talk about is warp drive. Since I just got technical on antimatter, I won't get technical on warp drives. Warp drive is a way of bending space and time around you to move faster than the speed of light. So you would expand the space behind you and compress the space in front of you because this, there you you can only move through space um, at 300 or a little bit below 300 or three times 10 to the eight meters per second, the speed of light. That's the, that's the limit, but there is no limit to how fast space can move through space. So if you, if you bend space enough, you may be able to uh, use a warp drive to travel these super high speeds. And the other one is using self-replicating nanobots, using trillions of nanobots to make a ship together. And these nanobots move through space, getting propelled by lasers. So that sounds yeah, more yeah, no. feasible than everything. The else. nanobot one. 
Yeah. The nanobot, us sending robots to space is probably more likely than us sending humans to space. Mm -hmm. But the the power of the human mind, us wanting to go to space, that is why we'll eventually go. But robots are more suited to go to space. Anyway, uh, those were all a whole bunch of different types of propulsion systems. Do I think if these UFOs are an alien species, do I think that it is any, uh, any one of them? No, no, absolutely not. These are the propulsion systems I hope that humans adapt in the future to send us to the stars. Because if it were any of these, then they wouldn't be unidentified, would they? Because we already understand these to we, an extent. Yeah, well, to an extent, we would probably have an cer a certain intuition about it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But no, I don't, I think, I don't think it's any of this. So um, that that just shows, like, man, there's so and it's good for a physicist like me because, you know, sometimes they tell you, oh, 90% of physics is figured out. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this shows you that, no, it isn't. Like, there's all these different yeah. there's all these different ways we can go to. Um, but on to the subject of aliens, right? Because um, I want to talk about the likelihood of intelligent life in our universe. So the first things first, these are the three things needed to sustain any life form, okay? So we need a universal solvent for creating complex compounds complex molecules right we need some and that for us is water that's why usually um to find alien life we look at exoplanets that have water or we try to think if they have water so they need a universal solvent for us that's water they need a chaining chemical for us those are hydrocarbons we're mostly made to chain together a, a lot of it it's all based of carbon right we're carbon created creatures and then also we need a self-replicating molecule that for us is dna so all these three things i thought it was nanobots bro <laughs> no <laughs> right well eventually right so all these things um will contribute to life so to basically create the likelihood of this this uh, i forgot his name but his first or last name is drake <laughs> he created the drake equation aubrey oh no yeah. not not oh, not boy. not she used to call me on my cell phone but the Drake equation will actually can actually produce a rough uh, a rough estimation of how many um, uh, other civilizations there are near us. So I thought, you know, it'd be cool on the podcast to do the Drake equation right here. So we today, using my own and our own assumptions, are going to see how many alien species there are out there and see if it was likely that they came to us. Um, so first, the Drake equation, super simple, is just you're multiplying a whole bunch of numbers together. So the first is um, it's the rate at which su uh, stars suitable for life are born per year. So how many su suitable stars are born for year, uh, per year? Um, the estimate that I got in my research was 10. Okay. Just so 10? Yeah. Uh, just 10 stars per wow. year that are going to be suitable for life, okay? And then the next one is the percentage of these stars that have planets. Well, recently, we have a good assumption that all stars have planets, okay? Um, for the most part. So I'm going to put, oops, sorry. I'm going to, uh, into our equation, I'm going to put 100%, okay? We're going to do 100%. The next one is um, the number of these planets that have, a condi that have conditions for life. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. The number of these planets that um, have conditions for life. Okay. So out of all these planets, um, of all these stars, you know, it's interesting because the conditions that, of life that we're looking for, uh, it'll probably be like 0.2. 
But I think that they were, since I made it broad and said chaining molecules and universal solvent, all these things, mm-hmm. I think life might be able to be born out of things more than we were able to be born out of. So I'm going to say one planet uh, per star system has the ability um, to actually garner life. Uh, the next one is which fraction of these uh, of these planets have, that have the ability actually develop life? What would what would you guys assume? Um, well, obviously a very small percentage. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously a very small percentage. I'd yeah. Say like one or two. Yeah, one or two. I put three percent just to be optimistic. But yes, exactly. Um, that, that that's going to be a, a very low percentage because life is very unlikely we know we're special um so of these though which percentage actually develops intelligent life i actually bumped it up a little bit i put five percent because i think once you have life the journey to intelligence is inevitable that that Mm. that's what i think but you know there there are going to be there are going to be certain factors here and there that uh may well yeah if we're thinking about like an ecosystem life on like a planet I was thinking like life, like you know, grass, okay. nature. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, Emory, whenever you said um, once you have life, intelligence becomes inevitable. Emory was like, uh, so I was like, what do you mean by that? No, no, that's both of you guys make great points. Um, me being a believer in evolution, I believe we all, all the plants, everything from of uh, from the grass to giraffes to us, we all come from the same thing. So. And it's these chaining these chaining compounds. So I think once you once you set that in motion, you know, natural selection happens, and you know, bing, boom, bow, you get life. Then once you have life, it becoming intelligent. I put five percent. It was still unlikely, but I bumped it up a little bit. Um, the next one, the f- the fraction of intelligent life where communication develops. Okay, this. Is, what do you guys think on this one? Which percentage of intelligent life will um, are willing and able to communicate with each other? I say point five. Like you're talking about the so out of the planets that do produce intelligent life, yeah. what percentage of those planets? Yeah. Honestly, think a very high percentage because how else are you going to communicate with each other? Yeah, you need to have some sort of way to. I mean, I don't know what other word but communicate to use with the rest of your species. So yeah. I think it's going to be a very high percent. You mean that you meant interplanetary um, communication? No, no, no. Yeah, well, yeah, within themselves. Oh, within themselves. Oh, yeah. Hi. Yeah. Yeah. So but, yeah. we definitely bumped this percentage up a little bit more. I was thinking like between each other. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the optimist in me wants to go up to like 50%, but I'm going to stick with the cool 25% um, just for the purposes of this equation. But yeah, it, it's pretty high. I mean, come on. So now the last one is the lifetime in years of a communicative civilization. This one is hard. It's the average lifetime now because the dinosaurs survived 65 million years. We have no idea how long we're going to survive. Some may survive 100 years. There's there's so many things that human that human civilization and all just life on earth has gone through. Before we answer this question, let me detail some of the things that makes earth and life on earth so special. Earth is assisted by planets like Jupiter and Saturn, which are these big, massive planets that redirect comets that would otherwise come into our solar system. Earth has a great atmosphere that protects us from cosmic rays and all this stuff. We have a large moon, which stabilizes, which stabilizes Earth's spin. 
without Earth spin, um, the Earth spin being stable, um, we'd be subject to a lot of uh, extreme weather events and all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, humanity has gone through many mass extinction events, right? We had um, the, we weren't there, uh, or life in general, life on Earth in general. We had, you know, the asteroid that, or the meteor that crashed into the Yucatan Peninsula, Peninsula wiping out all the dinosaurs. We had all these diseases and all these things. This actually points to why we are 99% clones of each other, because we've gone through all of these, all of these mass extinction ev events. It, it's breed, bred this, these civilizations that, or our civilization that's really alike. Um, so from that, I put the I put the expected average lifetime being this is extremely optimistic by the way, but I put thirty thousand years. I put thirty thousand years for a civilization. This can go up to millions, this can fall down to uh hundreds, but I mean, what do you guys think? I think that's a good balance in between. Because if you think about it, the average life expectancy for one human is like about 80-ish years, yeah. I want to say. And considering how long our history goes back to prove that we've been alive and like just all the big accomplishments, whatever, I feel like 30,000 years is definitely a good judgment, especially because um, I think we're not even at our peak yet of how long um, humans, humans will just be around. So I think we're still kind of in the early developing kind of baby stage, maybe toddlers at this point, um, to put it in that kind of perspective. But I do think 30,000 is a good estimate. I think it's, this, this is a very deep question because it plays into what exactly life is, like from a physical and mental aspect. Perhaps it'll be able, you'll be able to have your mind live on forever. But, you know, you're going to need body replacements because it your body's going to naturally decay and all that. Exactly. And no no species has ever had the ability, like, you know, evolution is a thing. But the, um, we have, I don't, I don't want, I will call it unnatural evolution mm -hmm. because we can choose how we wish to evolve with yeah. as technology develop, continues to develop. Yeah, that's, so yeah, go ahead. I, this is exponentially high. I don't know if yeah. you can calculate this. Yeah, way. no, that's an interesting perspective. Um, some, I'm one of the believers, once we get to a certain point, um, may it be Neuralink and all of these other things that we talk about, uh, the mind upload, once we get to that point, then that possible 30,000 years instantly can shoot up to the age of the universe. Mm -hmm. Like once you, once you get to a certain point, we get there. Right now, humanity, we're at that make or break point. Either we become the a low number or we get to get, uh, shoot up to a high number. Um, but multiplying all those things together, this is the old Drake equation. Multiplying all those things together, um, we see that in our galaxy, our huge, huge galaxy, that um, there would be most likely 112.5 other civilizations. That thought is either scary or inspiring, but that thought is just crazy, just using this equation. But an updated version is also to multiply it by the number of species, the average number of species per planet. So I put three. You have the species pre-dinosaur, the dinosaur era, and then our era. Mm -hmm. Will there be an AI era after us? I don't know. But I put three. So we multiply that by three, and we get 337.5, right? That's a lot of other intelligent civilizations in the galaxy, for one, which makes it, you know, it makes it makes it feasible that one of them 
decided to visit us on, you know, cloudy nights and stuff like, or cloudy days and stuff like that. Um, now we look at the universe. So now I'm going to multiply it by the amount of galaxies in our universe. Well, wait, actually, we don't exactly know. The optimistic is 2 trillion. The, you know, middle ground is around 200 billion. How many are observable? In the observable universe, we still we still can't even observe that directly. Um, so, you know, we could go with two trillion or two hundred billion. It's not going to make much of a difference because the number we get after this is going to sound crazy anyway. So, you know what? For fun's sake, let's say there are two trillion galaxies in the universe, right? And this is the observable universe too, because we know there's many parts that we can't observe. So, multiply that by that. Copy and paste here. Oh no, we can't. Can't copy and paste. Uh, nope. Let's see if we can copy and paste in this calculator. Nope. Okay. Oh boy, how many zeros does this thing have? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. One, two, three, four, five, six. Seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. <laughs> wow. Okay. So by multiplying this number, we have six point seven five times ten to the fourteen civilizations in our so that's um actually yeah. Six hundred seventy five trillion civilizations in our universe. For one, that sounds absolutely crazy. Um, but that I think that just gives I'm going to edit some of this part out, but I think this gives an interesting perspective on what there may be outside of us. This equation is certainly flawed. It's not like purely academic, but, you know, it just gives a nice perspective onto what there is out there. I think we need to recoin the term universe to realm of existence because. Well, actually, I, I do want to talk about that, too. Um, real quick, though. Pause real quick. Your thing's about to die. Yeah. Well, while he paused, there was one thing that I was thinking about when he was speaking about um, AIs and will there be like an AI era after us. And I was honestly for like maybe these last five-ish minutes, I was thinking about it like could it happen, could it not happen. Here's Here's my thing. So our technology is definitely advancing, and I feel like – yeah, mm, let me re let me rewind. Our technology is definitely advancing, and right now, at the way we are currently progressing in society, we are seeing more AI propelled things, more AI controlled things, and just overall more AIs in our society, pow and just in our everyday lives, right. like Alexa or Siri or all these things, like becoming from virtual assistants in our iPhones to physical devices. Um, like the Alexa show, dot, whatever. Um, but what I'm trying to get at is, do we think that it could advance enough to become its own entire... Um, existence? Yeah, existence, civilization, that's the word. Um, I don't know, because you have to think about it. Earth, Earth is designed to sustain a certain kind of life, and I feel like that at a certain point, it wouldn't really treat AI that well because you – how do I word this? So AI isn't natural life, right? and the earth is alive. Right, so. and so I don't think that 
two elements that don't mesh. Yeah, and AI can't really transform the planet to be kind of like a whole bunch of charging stations. And because of our limited availability of some of these resources that might help power AIs and whatever, um, unless we find and are able to easily access a, a, a renewable resource, renewable energy form, kind of like nuclear energy, which is something that you talk about a lot, I don't think that AI will be able to survive that long on our planet. Earth would have to expand into like a planet system. What do you think, Caleb? Like, if you think of like the ring of Saturn, it would have to be like a hub system to sustain all these different civilizations. Like with Earth being um, like the actual planet Saturn and like the ring being like um, other planets that we connect to to get our uh, whatever things that we need. Yeah, um, actually, I agree with Casey on a lot of fronts because I've never heard his perspective. I also disagree a little bit. Also, from what Emery is talking about, um, on I think Casey's episode, actually, I came with uh, uh, one of my ideas of Earth being a wormhole hub. Um, the problem with wormholes is you have to be able to travel to both ends. That's why we can't, unless we find natural wormholes, can't use a wormhole to just travel to the, the, the center of the universe or whatever. Um, we actually have to build the both ends of the portal, but we can set up a, a Earth and we can set, we can have Earth and set up or the moon um, be the hub of these wormholes, travel through and get to each of these planets super quick. Um, but Casey's point of uh, and Emery's point of Earth not being uh, finely tuned to um, cre uh, cre uh, to support artificial intelligence, I think is a good point because this fine tuning is so significant for the fact that we are in this universe today. The fact that the universe is even a universe today um, is a big uh, a big result of a lot of this fine tuning. But you did say that. You don't think that AI may not, and AI certainly may not have the ability to change Earth into a planet to sustain itself. But boy, oh boy, it depends on how powerful it can be. But uh, I don't know, because the fact that artificial intelligence in a lot of ways will be more intelligent than we are, I think that it can do things to manipulate this planet or travel and terraform other planets to suit its own needs. Um, but yeah, go ahead. So that I was kind of just thinking about, I don't know if you if you've seen the movie, you probably have. I mean, I know Emery definitely has with the, the Hulk hands right here. But like it kind of reminds me of Avengers Age of Ultron, where Ultron is trying to create his own entire AI civilization, AI army to just rid the entire world of humans and just just take over with robots. And um, I'm not going to get into the reasons why it didn't work. It obviously didn't work because he was fighting the Avengers. But he was using vibranium. And vi the thing about vibranium is that there was only so much that they could access on the planet that in order for him to have been able to transform the entire planet, there would not have been enough vibranium. Because he pretty much already had as much vibranium as there was. Like, he had enough vibranium to lift up a whole city. A lot of vibranium. And then he started to use the vibranium for those robots. So I really don't... so. In a situation like that, now I'm not saying that there's vibranium on Earth. I don't know if that's an actual element um, or if we will ever discover an element like vibranium. But what I'm saying is um, if you're like comparing it something to a situation similar like that where you have a certain resource that would prove useful for AI development, I don't think that we have enough of it. And I don't think that 
we at least anytime soon would be able to find a renewable resource that would suit those needs i feel like it's just limiting can i uh, go off on a quick tangent man uh, before i went like i would like to uh, come back to what casey said because au contraire my friend um yes that is a great point although um with advancements in nanotechnology the great thing why I want to study nanotechnology is its ability to create something out of what we perceive as nothing. Because we all know, like, these materials, it's just um, an atomic configuration, right? If a, bot, an, a robot the size of an atom is able to move around these configurations and turn water into freaking wine, like, it, it, can, it will one day be able to to change one element into something else with certain materials, protons, whatever it may be able to do that. Um, that is one thing also, if we have this uh, super intelligent species, they may be able to venture off, mine these materials off planet, bring them back to Earth too. That's what Jeff Bezos is trying to do with Blue Origin. Um, but yeah, those are two ways to combat that. But that, you know, those are also unlikely, just like what you said is probably the more likely situation. So who knows, but what's, what's the tangent? I hate all these forms of media that, um tell the story of some civilization trying to wipe out all of humanity. Why is that? There are far too many beautiful women to wipe out humanity. Oh, my gosh. Are bro. you an idiot? I don't care where you come from, how smart you are. If you're an alien that's killing all these baddies, you've got to be gay. That's my thing, bro. You know what I mean? <laughs> that was wild, bro. Nah, hey, 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 you hey, have to hey, be. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Nah, they have a different perspective on beauty. Man. Um, Stuff your mouth is expected to be For sure. I mean, actually, on Emery's point, though, um, we're going to move. But moving on from uh, this a little, or we're going to stay in this lane a little bit. The only other thing I, um, wait, what did Emery bring up earlier? Oh, yeah. So there's mo two. I have uh, three more things. One's a quote, so really two more things to say about this whole story. The first thing is, um, um, the first thing is this. Uh, the first thing is what intelligent life needs, because um, I forgot to bring this up earlier. Intelligent life. Um, it's crazy how we can break down all of this into three little things, but it needs to be able to sense its environment. We have the five senses. It needs to be able to communicate. Human is human. Humanity is the greatest species on this earth at communication that is why we are so powerful and then we have we need a means to affect the environment um may it be through our, our, us pushing things or may there be some te telepathic uh civilization out there if you have these three things then you're deemed intelligent life but the other thing is i want everybody this is why everybody needs some basis in physics M may it be hard whatever but a lot of people think of the world in this Newtonian sense, because that's what we've learned to think. Um, most people think that everybody has a universal clock. Most people think that the whole entire universe is ticking on this one timeline, ticking on this one clock. Some god at the beginning of the universe set this clock at zero, 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 pressed play, and everybody has these same ticks. But the, the, true, the true fact of the matter is that there is no absolute time, and time is all relative. You'll hear people say this. Some people may not know the physics of it, but we truly do know that time is all relative, and that is because there is a, a cap 
on how information can be transported. Um, we talked about special relativity earlier, but there, there, there is no absolute time. Um, if we, even we all three of us don't have synchronized, we couldn't synchronize watches right now. But let's theoretically say that me, Emery, and Casey all synchronized our watch right now, right? Then I got in the car, drove, a, drove. A, it, it's on this scale too. Drove up the street, drive back. I come back. You guys were sitting here the whole time. My car, by the, the tiniest, my, my clock, by the tiniest iota, would be behind you guys in a little bit. Because the faster you move through space, the slower you move through time. So we've already jacked up each other. We were never on the same time, time like synchronized time. But the fact that we perceive things in such a slow manner, the fact that our minds move so slow, and the fact that our brains do so much of the work, I talked earlier about the only reason we see time is flowing because we remember the past. That's an increase in entropy. We remember the past. We realize the present each and every uh, plank time that happens or actually more uh, longer than that because we live at a high frame rate and then we predict the future. Yeah. The re we do all these things and now it feels like time is flowing. We don't feel these incremented breaks in space time, but that, that's actually the true nature of the re of reality. Um, but I say all this to point towards that. When you look up in the night sky, you see all these stars, uh, you see planets, all that stuff. Um, let's see, we see, uh, you know, uh, Jupiter out there for some reason. If you go look at Jupiter, if I have a, a, an awesome telescope and I see somebody twerking on Jupiter, that actually happened two hours ago relative to us. Because um, light travels at this speed and we can only get uh, information at three times 10 to the eight meters per second. So when we look out, we keep looking out, we keep looking out, we see these stars, these stars, that was actually their reality millions of years ago. We, there is no simultaneous now. We need to, we need to abolish now because now is, there is no now. There is no now. What is now to me? And I, I, I hate thinking about this because me as a human, I was like, okay, even though I perceive something happening at a later time, there must be something happening now at Alpha Centauri. Alpha Centauri right now, if they're watching us on TV, is probably seeing the Roman Revolution or something like that. Mm -hmm. But or something not Alpha Centauri, but some, some somebody probably even further out there. Uh, maybe I'll, I can't remember if it was Alpha Centauri. Anyway, I'm getting off topic. Um, there, but there is no now. We need we need to reject this notion of now because everybody needs to understand that this time is relative uh, and I would like everybody to ponder on that and do their own research because I can't get into it. Like I really want to get into it today because we're wrapping this up, but, um, thinking about our relation with the universe and these other, uh, 300 species in our galaxy, the fact that we're, that we're so that we're not on the same timeline is, is just baffling to me that, there can that they can either see us if they are watching us, they can see us at, at these different points in reality. It's just like I don't even know how to fully like eloquently spit it out. But the r relative nature of time in itself is just astonishing. I, I think, think it's, I think I it's think awesome. that's reality breaking because our like, our notion of reality. Yeah, but like also in like a metaphorical sense because. Okay. You can really, I think, I don't know if a lot of people can handle that. Yeah, handle, oh, that's true. Like, that, that could destroy your sanity, knowing that time isn't, 
what you mm-hmm. always have perceived it to be and yeah. that's different for everybody else yeah that yeah it's just crazy yeah i don't know if that's something that a lot of people could really take that's true truly understanding yeah i mean i in my physics notebook i drew because I, I do little doodles and i drew somebody with an old ass head and young feet like baby feet mm. because our head is actually older than our feet like it, it's just crazy how like even let's say you have there's a pair of twins right and one twin stays on earth um there and the other twin goes flies uh flies um on a rocket ship outward at like half the speed of light and comes back that twin the twin that stayed on earth is like 46 the other twin is like 30 you just described the plot of this show that was just put on netflix that i've been watching really? manifest okay so there is it's a twin a, paradox on there it's um these two twins they go on a trip with each other and um one of the twins they take a plane flight back like an early flight back yeah. to america and the other twin he's on like a later flight yeah and this plane it magically disappears for five and a half years uh and, but for the passengers on the plane, it was just one fl- uh, flight ride. Yeah. But for everybody else back, like, everywhere around the world, these people have been missing for five and a half years. Mm-hmm. But suddenly, like, the plane resurfaces on its original flight plan, and it lands, and the one twin is five and a half years older than the other. You know what else this reminds me of? Yeah, I think I heard about that show because I looked it up and, like, the cover looked familiar, but that's besides the point. That also reminds me of, like, Avengers Infinity War and Endgame, like the whole blip situation when Thanos snapped them out of existence and then the Avengers brought them back and the people who stayed here at age, but the people who had blipped away were the same age as whenever, as if they, um, were the same age before they blipped. So, yeah, that was just something I wanted to mention. So all of this this time relativity is starting to become mainstream. Actually, Rick and Morty, my favorite cartoon, um, has my current favorite cartoon is um, just had their season five episode one come out, and there is this um, awesome thing, and there was a, a portal to another another planet, right? So Morty came in and they saw the family because he got wine from them or something. Mm-hmm. So he walked out walked out the portal. As soon as he walked back in. Um, or actually, but he took the father with him in that planet. In his first trip, the father delivered the wine. When the father went back home, he saw his family dead, except for his baby son at the time. And he was like, I've been waiting on you, father. Why would you leave us for all those years? And he killed his dad. What the hell? Yeah. Episode one? That's how they come in. Oh, yeah. But it's this time relativity that's so awesome. Um, It's so awesome, but so scary. And I want people to think about that when they think about the cosmos and they think about civilizations outside but i do want to end with a quote um i don't know how to pronounce his name Konstantin e tvolsky um the father of rocketry um this quote i was reading in a book because i'm reading a book by michio kaku right now called the physics of the impossible and this book right here it's been awesome but it it also delivers these amazing quotes but this quote really it it took me it took me to a special place because This is my, it may not be many people's vision. Actually, it's not a lot of people's vision. But this right here captured everything I want for the human race. But um, the quote says, The finer part of mankind will, in all likelihood, never perish. They will migrate from sun to sun as they go out. And there is no end to life, intellect, and the perfection of humanity. Its progress is everlasting. No cap. All right, now we're moving on. Chapter two of the podcast. I know. Philosophy. Right. 
so you're funny as hell. Uh, do you want to do? We can probably skip billionaire space race and do it for the next uh, episode. Yeah, I'll okay. do my other thing. All right. As you guys know, we've been ta- covering the art of war for um. In our in, in Emery's episodes, Emery's, Emery's favorite uh, famous line in uh, his last freestyle, "The art of war." Yeah, I'm waging wars. Yeah, I you're, said that. Yeah, you you know. Yeah, I be spitting, bro. I. Didn't. You didn't spit. You said it ten more twice, and I didn't laugh. <laughs> it don't matter. That was a chapter in the story, so it actually f- intertwined. I'm a lyrical genius. You All don't right, understand, let, bro. Let's go. Um, last episode, like Caleb said, apparently I wrapped it. Uh, we covered chapter two, which was wage, waging wars. Now we're gonna. T- oh, that co- was the name of the chapter too. Yeah. Oh, that's okay. That's fire, bro. Yeah. That's that. Okay, Casey, yeah. you're gonna have to. <laughs> you're gonna have to sit on that one. That. Yeah. That's a. That's a fire. I didn't even think. Of, I. I thought you were just saying that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'm giving Emery's props on that one. Chapter three: Attack by Stratagem. Now you know these chapters are incredibly long, so I'm just gonna. I pick pick some um, essential points that are covered in each chapter that really stand out to me, and. Uh, that a lot of people can actually draw some meaning up uh, behind because you know uh, the art of war was originally written as an actual strategy book for generals to command their armies but there are a lot of philosophical takes that you can take from them uh, chapter three attack by stratagem one of the major points stratagem like strategy oh it's G-E-M yeah at the end okay I never heard of that word uh, one of the first major takes that I've got from it word for word, bar for bar from Sun Tzu himself to fight and conquer in all of your battles is not supreme excellence. Supreme excellence consists, consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. Yeah. I'm going to let that mellow within y'all. Okay. Yeah. That sets for real. And just to make a quick point, that philosophy right there has permeated our society in so many ways. Now we have, we have the saying work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. Like that's a direct, like derivative of that right there. And I think this, this really stuck to me because it's a, it's really is a mental battle. All the fights that you face in your life. Supreme excellence consists in breaking the enemy's resistance without fighting. As I said earlier, you are your own worst enemy. Fighting with yourself means being irrational, not making um, making choices that go against your own moral code, doing bad things. Supreme excellence, true supreme excellence, is to make the smart choices, make them knowing that you won't regret them and make them according to your own moral compass to me do you guys take anything from that that you'd like to say you want to say anything before i go yeah no i mean just for one emory Emory put that in a great way in a in a great pattern of words but um yeah just yeah me being a person who's definitely battled with himself um you know I think you can breed great things from it, but um, also breed bad things from it. Um, but having, like, being unidirectional, like sometimes just being driven, being in tune with your higher self. Actually, I have a quote, another quote, that I guess I, I can read now. But th- what, what, this, what that gave me is um, just, like, I guess, I don't know, it's like a like a, having a symbiotic relationship with yourself in a sense. Mm-hmm. And 
oh, this is this is deep. How, how am I gonna put this? How am I gonna you want to come because back to it? No, I think it, I, I like I, I like it, and it's like, and it's not because yes, all these battles that you're going through is a mental game, but all these people want to. There's a lot of people in the world that want to highlight things other than reaching a high mental state, but really perfecting oneself and perfecting one's mind can unlock your entire exactly. worldview. Um, the quote is, um, and this is the quote I read to myself every day because I always tell people I'm I'm either functioning or not functioning my higher self. And this is, uh, uh, I'll just get to it, but it says, ascension isn't for the faint-hearted. It happens when you're committed to growth and self-healing. You grind, isolate, break down, you get back up, and the old you dies every moment. The old you dying every moment is how I've always lived, and I al- I, that is just an amazing part right there. But this is because you're constantly shifting your energy and embodying your higher self in your human vessel. You break old patterns, heal old traumas, only to revisit them again and learn something new this time. The more light you embody by coming by becoming aware of your darkness, the more you become a walking portal of source in human form. All right. That was that was great. That was great. First of all, that kind of reminded me of what was that point about ascension? And uh, it said, like, it doesn't come without, like, being broken down and getting back up. Yeah, I can I can go back to it. It said um, ascension isn't for the faint hearted. It happens when you're committed to growth and self-healing. You grind, isolate, break down and you get back up and the old you dies every moment. Okay, so. I just watched an anime on Netflix called Record of Ragnarok. That oh, I've started that too. That's pretty good. Yeah, That's I pretty. Just, I finished don't spoil it. it. Oh, uh, is it, is it, I thought there was only two episodes out. There's twelve. Twelve out. Yeah. Okay, don't spoil it. I'm only on episode two. Well, this isn't really a spoiler because okay. this information has been out for like five hundred years. But yeah, in Japan there was this uh, swordsman named Kojiro Sasaki, uh, Sasaki yeah. and like in this um, anime it takes um, like historical figures that were powerful and it like you know um expands on their abilities and like you know animifies it oh damn so Nicki, them, Nicki minaj be busting down hey, an anaconda style bro <laughs> <laughs> no 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 <laughs> that's a power <laughs> but uh this man kojiro sasaki he never won a battle in his life really he was, uh, as in the anime, it calls him the world's greatest loser. Wow. Because this man had never won a battle in his life yet. So that's why you called me that the other day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anime reference. Oh, uh. But uh, this man had never won uh, a battle in his life yet. He was chosen to fight in this tournament against the gods yeah. as one of the strongest people that ever lived on Earth. And this is because... You can lose and still be great. Mm. And I think that correlates with this first point. It says to fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. He was fighting, but he was not conquering. But every single battle that he had, he took something. He learned something from the enemy. And he had mental fights. Like, his experiences with them, he had mental fights with them afterwards until he beat them in his mind. And that translated into his physical ability. So all these foes that he fought against and he lost against, he also won against. And he continued gathering all of this experience until he became the world's greatest loser. And that really hit me because, you know, I think I take a lot of L's. I think my man Casey here can agree as well. (laughs) But, you know, I'm still standing 
and I've learned something from every single loss. And although I haven't gotten that one decisive win yet, I'm built. I I know that I'm already I'm already capable of not taking those previous losses again, regardless as if I've won or won or not. You know what I'm saying? No, and look, we. I don't want to. I don't want to input anything to mess that up because that was that was beautiful. Keep it moving. Thanks, man. The reason he doesn't want to input is because he knows deep down that he's taking more dubs than both of us combined. So Shut up. Matter. Your so name is literally C Dub. Why are you trying to thrash me with you, bro? Shut up. <laughs> Give him the mic. Give him the mic, bro. Keep All it. Right. We keep it moving. Point bro. number two, bro. Therefore, the skillful leader subdues the enemy's troops without fight any fighting. Yeah. He captures their cities without laying siege to them. He overthrows their kingdom without lengthy operations in the field. I'm gonna let that sit. Oh, that's it. Okay, yeah. So, let's analyze this piece by piece. The first, uh, I drifted off for a second because the first thing that uh, the uh, that came to mind is like how the nerds always win. Like you have mm-hmm. all these big and brawn guys, but like uh, Iron Man or somebody, they build their their suit and they really don't have to do anything. But now that their technology is so much greater. They just wipe out the competition. I think this one's pretty, like Caleb said, this one's pretty self-explanatory. Yeah. Work smarter, not harder. kind of coincides with that first point. Just, um, but it's cra- you know, you can fight and without actually fighting. Yeah, it's crazy how these uh, these ideas stand the course of time. That's why the Bible is such a powerful uh, such a powerful um, book is because, mm-hmm. like, these things, whether we put it in a different way because we have a new way of saying language, like, it's all the same thing. So, uh, yeah, it's interesting how these quotes uh, last. Moving on to point number three. This one deals with a general or a leader mm-hmm. in society. It says, with his forces intact, he will dispute the mastery of the empire, and thus, without losing a man, his triumph will be complete. This is the method of attacking by stratagem. Mm, that Actually, that's awesome because uh, it's like a lot of battles – especially war, this is a war book, you know, you win, but you kind of like, like, like the cold war, nobody won because everybody was dying or like one of like the world wars, like you win, but you have so many people dying at the end of the day. Like you really didn't win. You just won because you finished the war. But what it's saying here from like a literal sense is like, you actually can win without losing anything. If your strategy is that great, you can win without losing anything. Casey, what does war mean to you? What if I ask you what a war is? What is war? The first thing that comes to mind is just conflict between two parties for me, because well, I'm not gonna go with because, but here's my opinion on war. I feel like war, war happens as a result of jealousy and a result of envy and kind of just wanting something that the other person has or not wanting something or there there's always some sort of petty pettiness mm-hmm. um that starts wars that that's what i think um when i think of war i found it actually good. from a um i also wanted to put input uh just because you know i'm a math guy i say um for my calculus people out there war is the integral of battles over time yo <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, shut up, but yellow at the same time. Yeah. That he is spitting. I found I No, I just came up with that on the fly. This is kinda that was great. Yeah. Kudos. Huh? Why? It was good. Yeah. Credit where credit is due. 
but I found um, the title of this um, book actually ironic, The Art of War. Yet the beginning of this chapter states, to fight and conquer in all your battles is not supreme excellence. Mm. Yeah, it is a little ironic. He is promoting peace in a book about war. Sun Tzu himself knew that war was bad. But he knew that war might be necessary. War is a necessity. So how can you ease the pain of war? You can win without losing. Promote peace, y'all. Promote peace. Got to sneeze. Hold on. (coughs) All right, moving on. Thank you. Wow, what's going on here? Um... This um this point actually comes with three subpoints. There are three ways in which a ruler can bring misfortune upon his army. A. By commanding the army to advance or to retreat, being ignorant of the fact that it cannot obey. This is called hobbling the army. I think this is this speaks to leaders and their ability to know whom they're dealing with. Know your people, know your soldiers. That that way you can take in a, into account their strengths, strengths and weaknesses, knowing what they can follow and what they can't. Yeah, I, in- I instantly thought decision-making. Mm. So on those lines, yeah. B, by attempting to govern an army in the same way as he administers a kingdom. Being ignorant of the conditions which obtain in an army, this causes restlessness in the soldiers' minds. I got to reread that myself. Yeah, go ahead. By attempting to govern an army in the same way he administers a kingdom. Being ignorant of the conditions which obtain in an army. Okay, yeah. This causes restlessness in the soldier's mind. Sheesh! Yeah, that one's deep. Yeah, we spoke about, well, Caleb said decision-making before, which was a very good summary of it. But this one, I think it's... It's like choice and decision making. Although those are, are two very similar things, yeah, they are coupled. completely different. Yeah. By attempting to govern an army in the same way as he administers a kingdom. It kind of goes along with the first one, knowing who you're dealing with, mm-hmm. but I think it more deals with knowing what these people what these people represent and what they bring to the table for you. Like what is a president without his cabinet? What is a ruler without his loyal with without his loyal um without his loyal followers and loyal um patrons. What is a pimp without his hoes? What exactly? <laughs> you are what you surround yourself with. Absolutely. And that is the biggest strength that you can have, your surroundings. And then we go on to the last point of this one. By employing the officers of his army without discrimination, through ignorance of the military principle of adaptation to circumstances. This shakes the confidence of the soldiers. Wait, one more time. By employing the officers of his army without discrimination through ignorance of the military principle of adaptation to circumstances. Mm. This shakes the confidence of the soldiers. Yeah. This is like being worthy of your position. Mm -hmm. And the people around you will know when you're incompetent. So this applies both to the leader and the soldiers. Yeah. Like on a basketball team, you have to like you know the coach the coach is going to make everybody run. Yeah. For the mistake of one per, of what one person did for team bonding. So if one person's incompetent, then that 
decreases the morale of everybody or or it can have the effect of increasing everybody's morale to want to improve and uplift that person. I actually related this to coronavirus right now. This happened right now. Uh, the discrimination, you can bend it a little bit to saying back to decision making, you know, being a little bit wishy washy. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're discriminating, you're being a little wishy washy, applying different rules to different people in your in your in your fleet or whatever. This is what the CDC did with mask wearing. At first, they said, oh, you don't need masks. They really did that because they wanted masks left over for the essential workers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they said, oh, no, you don't need masks. Wait, now you need masks. Oh, no, you don't need it. Wait, now you need masks. Oh, it was a lab leak. Wait, no, it was a, a pangolin um, sat in some iced Bruh. tea. I, I don't know. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> that's stupid. <laughs> I don't want to get canceled right now. Um yeah, you know, it was, you know, and then they said, no, it was actually, you know, a, a bat from a cave flew thousands of miles, uh, landed in somebody's uh, tea, morning tea, and they drunk it at the same time, not noticing that they just ate an entire bat, too. Right. Uh, but, yeah, this and this caused a lot of uh, shakiness within the people because they didn't know whether to trust science or not. So, that yeah. Was, yeah, that was a very good interpretation. Of that. Yeah. Casey? No, I, I liked his um, his. <laughs> I, I liked his T reference. A uh, bird flew into the T or whatever. Oh uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that was that was lame. Okay. We're we're gonna talk about that next episode though. What the lab leak and stuff? Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be a fun Let's episode, see, bro. Uh, it's two twenty two. All right, this is the closing philosophy of this. That's Words, a verb that's huh? a verbatim, right? Yeah, words for word from Sun Tzu, bar for bar. Well, not exactly because, you know, it's a translation from Chinese, uh, but uh, semi-word for word, bar for bar. If you know the enemy and know yourself, you need not fear the result of a hundred battles. If you know yourself but not the enemy, for every victory gained, you will also suffer a defeat. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb. <laughs> You'll succumb. <laughs> Why did I say it like that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's restart that. If you know neither the enemy nor yourself, you will succumb in every battle. Boom. I, I think, me listening to that, I don't think you have to say anything further. That yeah. that was, I can end it with that one. I like that. Well, Casey wants to say something further. Uh, I mean, I was just gonna say, to put in layman's terms, it's basically saying if you don't know why you're fighting, you shouldn't be fighting. Like if you if there's no actual cause where you you if you do not know what you would gain from fighting don't fight don't fight it's all love man attacked by stratagem ladies and gentlemen yeah man i've been enlightened so is that everything uh other so than batman doesn't eat yeah so we're gonna do a quick lightning round um the, a few topics we didn't get to uh get to yeah china uh unleashed their own spacecraft i think the remains landed in a street in china but you know batman batman doesn't eat uh, there's a Harley, a new season of the Harley Quinn show coming to uh, HBO Max. There is a, uh, supposed to be a sex scene between Batman and Harley Quinn, but um, DC Comics came in saying, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa!" So what they said was, "Superheroes don't do that." Better be uh, a Superman. <laughs> I ain't talking Clark Kent. Hey, tip your hat to you. Mm -hmm. uh, I wish we could talk a little bit more about that, get a little bit more wild, but I, I'm gonna bring that up uh, next yeah, week. Casey. This was a very interesting episode for me to jump in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. I mean, I don't know. I think obviously Batman eats. <laughs>
he literally the only opening in his costume is for his mouth, and he has the handlebars on top of his. He has the handlebars on top of his mask. The the bat ears, bro. Yo. That was actually funny. <laughs> hey, yo. He's he's not lying, bro. Like if you if you look at it, like I know, I know you know how to edit pictures of um pictures of stuff. Putting a picture of Batman's costume, bro, just just to remind the people. You don't think he's not wrong. You don't think Batman? Sorry, hey, Master Bruce. <laughs> Master hell? Bruce, dinner is served. Y'all some wild boys. I thought I was wild. Y'all some wild, wild, wild boys. Got Damian Wayne coming in his young self. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry, bro. Okay. Let's get out of here, man. No, freestyle time. Oh, crap. Dude, we don't have time for no, freestyle. No, spit. Give me a beat. We're not doing no manufactured beat. Oh, from the mouth? Yeah. All right, all right, all right. Yeah. What? 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 UFOs flying in the sky. What are those? I don't know. I, I am kind of cool. Yeah. Turn my hat to your face, you're a fool. Whose phone is ringing? Yo, I can see myself on this computer singing. And it's really crazy that Batman doesn't eat no pussy. I like beans and greens. I like hanging with the team. KC Snickerdoodles, yeah, they taste mean. Yeah, them Hulk hands are green. Yeah, I'm going really, really far. I am not so par. Yo, I drive in my car. Ferrari, Ferrari, yeah, it's a fast kind of car like we, yeah, e, we, boom, yeah, 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 episode, yeah, yeah, 22, yeah, yeah, we finna go, yeah, yeah, finna boo, yeah, yeah, man, it's the Enlightened Brothers, yeah, 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 we signing off, yeah, we signing off, yeah, we signing off, yeah. Signing off, yeah. We walking off, yeah. We walking off, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Peace, y'all. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hey, let's go. Hey, let's go. Hey, let's get it. Hey, let's get it. Hey. Episode 22. Like and subscribe. Let's Goodbye. go. Batman only no pussy. <laughs>